Thank you, Gordon and Barbara. You see in your bulletins, you'll be in 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you'll be turning there tonight. I thought that song was a good song for the first two words of our outline. We are supposed to flee uh, evil things and follow after righteous things. There's sinking sand in this world and there's solid rock in this world. And we're supposed to know how to handle both of them. We're done with our study in Colossians. Uh, we finished up last Sunday night. And next week is the Lord's Supper. So uh, I thought it would be good to uh, take this aside a little bit from a familiar passage here. Every time I read through First and Second Timothy, which is always on the 20th of the month, so it wasn't that long ago, uh, I come to these verses and I see the word flee and then the word follow and then the word fight. And you know, every time a preacher sees three words that all begin with the same letter, you begin thinking sermons. Uh, so, you know, I, <laughs> so I see those three words and I thought, I want to I talk about those three words sometime. And then uh, to add in verse 14, the word keep uh, along with them. You know, every, every sport has an offense and a defense. When you think about it, you know, when you play a game and you try to score and keep the other team from scoring, you've got offense and you've got defense. Uh, some sports, uh, like football, have players that only play one of those positions, maybe all defense or all offense. And uh, the problem is if you can get real good at defense, you're not too good at offense. <laughs> or you're good at off, you're an offensive player, you're not much of a defensive player. Sometimes we get like that in our Christian life. You know, we, we have our emphasis uh, in one side, maybe not the other. Other sports, you just have to do both. Basketball, you're at both ends of the floor. You know, you have to run back and forth in a hurry, and uh, soccer, I guess, and other sports like that, you're a little bit on offense, a little bit on defense. Even a boxer, you know, uh, immediately he's guarding himself, and yet he's He's uh, striking out too. So the Christian life we find in the scripture is both offensive and defensive. There are things that we have to watch out for, things that we have to do, and things that we have to flee from, and things that we have to follow after. And uh, so we're looking at the fleeing and the following uh, both. You know, the, the Bible and the fighting, you know, the Bible talks us about it on the one hand of being gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. And then on the other hand, fight the good fight. Uh, so we have to do both and have to know how to do both. Let me also uh, just tell you a minute about that short word in verse 11 that begins with O and ends with O. And the only letter is O. <laughs> o, man, o, man of God. You know, you actually see that in the Bible quite often. It's called a vocative. It's an expression, uh, so to speak. And so he says it here, O oh, man of God. If your eye goes across the page to verse 20, you'll see it again. O oh, Timothy. Have you ever heard someone say, oh my? <laughs> you know, maybe in English we might spell it O-H as well as, as O. Oh no. Oh yes. You know, we actually use the vocative a lot. Uh, and here he uses it twice to address something. Evocative is also kind of a, in the family of words like vocal, vocation, vociferous. In other words, oh, wait a minute, let me speak out to you. I'm speaking out to you. Oh, hey, <laughs> you, so to speak. 
And so it's, it's an oral address, and, and when the Bible uses these, it really is to grab our attention. The most common one in the Old Testament is, Oh, Lord. You'll see it throughout the Psalms. You'll see it throughout other passages. Oh, followed by Lord. Uh, we're supposed to wake up and hear that and address it. When you, th I thought about our songbook, and I, I turned to the back of it real uh, quick, and I wrote down, Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, say, but I'm glad. Oh, worship the king. Oh, that will be glory for me. And, and many of our songs have the vocative at the beginning of them. Now, the Bible then has a, uses this in what is called a soliloquy. Remember, I've, I've brought that word up to you before. And that's where you say it to yourself. And so uh, in Psalm 42 and 43, why art thou cast down, O oh, my soul? Like you're standing in front of a mirror and saying, hey, you, <laughs> oh, my soul, why are you doing that? Paul says in, in the book of Romans, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? So that vocative is also used to address yourself sometimes. We had that children's song, you know where we sing to ourselves, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. <laughs> oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. We're using the vocative and we're addressing and making a soliloquy to ourselves. My, uh, my dad used to use it all the time. And uh, I think I picked up on it. His name was Robert. And he'd be working on something that wouldn't go just right. He'd say, oh, Robert. <laughs> you know, oh, Robert. Of course, I think my mom used that a lot of times too. But oh, Robert. And so I, I think I've picked up on that because I'll be doing something. I say, oh, Rick, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm saying, oh, Rick, pay attention, you know, or I might say, oh, Rick, you knucklehead, <laughs> you know, you know how it is. You preach to yourself. You talk to yourself. And so uh, the Bible uses, oh, Lord, as we address him. And Paul here is addressing is addressing. This young preacher, Timothy, younger than he is, one of his sons in the faith, Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. And when he says, O oh, man of God, um, that is not just the preacher, the man of God, and that's not just a male either. The word anthropos, like anthropology, uh, really, that's why I title this people of God. Maybe the title should have had the vocative in it too. Oh, people of God. And so, oh, person who belongs to God, anthropos and theos, any of you who belong to God, listen to this. And so it's a good address to all of us uh, when he says, oh, man of God, oh, woman of God, would be just as viable, oh, person of God, all right? So let's, let's look at this just for a few minutes, and I'm going to have you turn back and forth in First and Second Timothy. We won't go much farther out of the way than that, but right here in First and Second Timothy, there's a lot about what he says with these four words. So you notice, first of all, in verse 11, I have <clears throat> flee worldly things, where he says, O man of God, flee these things. Well, what, what is it then that we're supposed to flee? And let me say, first of all, the, the word flee, Fugo means to take flight like a bird that you, that you know is there and he's all of a sudden frightened and off he goes. He takes flight to shun the word, same word would be, or to escape something the word would be. 
one person described it as, and, and this hit me home, is when you almost step on a snake and you jump. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I've, I've played with snakes as a kid all, uh, all my life and uh, been around poisonous snakes and other snakes. But to this day, if I'm walking in my grass and there's a garter snake, harmless as can be, I will jump three feet in the air. I don't, you know, something about, something about a snake, I don't know what it is, that just makes you jump. And that, this word kind of has that kind of impact to it. These kinds of things in the world jump out of the way. Have a reaction like, you know, my, those cardinals come and feed at my feeder in the morning, and it's just barely daylight, and when they come, I'm sitting there real close, and so I'm real still, you know. But as soon as I move or they realize I'm there, phew, they're gone, you know. I must really be evil they, because they take flight. So we're, we're to be that way about these things. What is it? Well, just verse 10 alone up above, the love of money. Is the root of all evil, all kinds of evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's one of, of many dangers in the world, isn't it? This love of money and the love of things that money can buy, uh, the root of all kinds of evil in people's lives. Uh, we ought to know to flee from those kinds of things. Look also uh, at, uh, at verse 5 back up above, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds who are destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, what are we to do? From such withdraw thyself. And before we leave this chapter, verse 20, again, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to, to thy trust, and what's the word? Avoid, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. You know, sometimes we just, we have to dwell on these kinds of words. We read them too fast. Go with me to 2 Timothy, uh, which would just be a page away in your Bible, especially chapter 2. And I want you to just think about these kinds of words, because though he says here, flee, all of these words have this same kind of meaning. So notice, for example, in verse 14, chapter 2, of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, which are subverting to the hearers. Don't strive. Look down uh, at verse 16 then. But shun profane and vain babblings. <laughs> I guess you can't listen to the news anymore, you know, if, that, if we follow that verse to the letter. Shun. You know that word shun. You know what it would mean. Things that are not pleasant to hear. Words that shouldn't come into your ears. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You know what departing is, and you know what iniquity is. You know iniquity when you see it. You know a snake in the grass when you see it. Depart from it. And then on in, in 20 and 21, in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, 
some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor and sanctified meat for the master's use. Purge yourself from other vessels that are not unto honor. There are a lot of things in this world that are just not honorable. Purge yourself from those. Verse 22 in 2 Timothy 2, very similar to the verse that we are looking at in 1 Timothy, flee, and here he says, youthful lusts, but follow, and he has many of the same words, righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So again, we have our two words, flee here and follow. Verse 23, foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they, they gender strife. There's a lot of just questions that somebody, you, have, you hear this? Do you know what this, do you know what so-and-so said? You know, all kinds of questions that gender strife. Avoid. You know what the word avoid is. And then in chapter 3, you, you, as you look at chapter 3 in the first five verses, aren't those verses familiar? Know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Boy, here we are, America. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, spisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, and notice this, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And having the form of godliness, oh, I'm a good person, oh, I'm a Christian, but denying the power thereof from such, what is it? Turn away. And all of these words that, that Paul is using for young Timothy, uh, and I think of 2 Timothy 2.22 again, no doubt he's saying then, Timothy, avoid and flee youthful lusts. Because you're at that time in your life and you need to, you need to avoid these kinds of things. So uh, in, in uh, chapter uh, 4 of, uh, of 1 Timothy and verse 12, he said, Let no man despise thy youth. Be an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So you know you have to do this. In chapter 5, verse 2, the elder women then as treat as mothers and the younger as sisters with all purity. So he's telling this young preacher how to handle these things. And there's, there's all this give and take here. But folks, we, what he's saying is we have to be defensive in this world. We fight a fight, we play a sport, so to speak, we run a race, but there's offense and there's defense. And the first thing he brings up is defense. And, we, and you, we just have to know that you can't conquer the things of this world, not everything in this world. And you can't fight it and win sometimes. Sometimes you just flee. Who's the greatest example in the Old Testament of such a thing like this? Joseph, right? And he's in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife grabs his coat and what does he do? He runs out the door. Great example. And, and who failed in that? David. <laughs> when he was on the rooftop and should have run. So, so we know that some things you just can't conquer, you have, to, you have to flee and you have to shun 
and we should. So flee worldly things. And boy, in this list, (laughs) he gives to Timothy in these two books, there's just a, a list of things starting with the love of money. And we can let that eat us up in our soul too. Then, in the same verse, in verse 11, secondly, he says, well, then follow a few things. Follow, I put here, godly things. So follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, the very faith that you have and hold, love, agape love toward one another, toward God, patience and meekness. Follow after these things. Now, the word follow... Dioko is a very common word in the New Testament. It means, as a matter of fact, if you're reading a New King James tonight, rather than the word follow, you have the word pursue, right? And, and so pursuing is the same idea because this word comes, it, it's a hunting term. It is the idea of a hunter tracking down uh, what he's hunting until he finally gets it. He's not going to give up. He's going to pursue that thing until he finally grabs it. He's never giving up on it. A a tracker that tracks uh, an evil person and never gives up till he gets there and arrests him. So he's off to the hunt. Now, here's an interesting thing, though, about this word dioko. It's also the word to persecute. And you can see why it would be, right? So... uh, uh, in 2 Timothy 3.12, when Paul says, if, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Someone will be after you. Someone will persecute and follow you until he ruins you. And know that Satan is doing that, isn't he? And he's, he's as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And so are evil people. Uh, to Christians as well. So here again, we have a, a very similar verse over in 2 Timothy 2.22. And of, of all these words that we read there, righteousness, faith, charity, it's translated, but of course the same word agape or love. But then he adds peace in 2 Timothy to our list of things that we are to follow. We're to follow peacefulness. Uh, let, me, let me show you an illustration. If you'll hold your place here and go to Philippians, which will be back to your left here just a little ways. And Philippians chapter 3, great chapter 2. And in Philippians chapter 3, first of all, Paul is giving a little bit of testimony. And so he says of himself in verse 5 and 6, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, and here's our word for follow, persecuting, persecuting the church, and touching righteousness, which is of the law, I was blameless. Now, here he is as a lost man. Here he is as Saul of Tarsus. And he cannot stand these Christians who are changing the law of God that's been around 1,500 years. So he's pursuing them. And why did he go to Damascus where the Lord converted him? He got letters from the high priest, go there and pursue these Christians until you either put them to death or bring them back to jail. 
I was pursuing, I was following after the church. But in Philippians chapter 3, go down to verse 12. Now that he, in verse 10, he says, Now that, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. In verse 12, he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ. Now he's saying, I don't follow after the Christians to persecute them. I follow the things of God. I pursue the resurrection. I pursue heaven. He's following after that. And in verse 14, here our word is translated, pressing toward the mark. Can you see the runner pursuing the finish line? Can you see him pressing toward that line until he crosses that finish line and wins the race. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So when Paul says to Timothy, follow after these things, all of these images come into our mind. We are pursuing to the very end. We are pressing for the final finish line of our lives, and we don't give up until we get there. So, flee worldly things and follow godly things. But then, verse 12, fight. <laughs> you got to fight too. You know, whether you like it or not, uh, you know, it's a struggle. And even when you're on offense, you have to struggle. When you're on defense, you have to struggle. <clears throat> you remember the Greek word here pronounced agoni <laughs> or agony, we call it. Uh, the agony, it means to fight, it means to war, to struggle, to combat, to contend, uh, that you would earnestly contend for the faith, you would agonize for the faith. That is what we have to do. And folks, we are, we are in <clears throat> a war and in a fight. <clears throat> but notice the adjective before, or, or the adverb before fight is what? It's a good fight. What kind of fight is it? It's a good fight. Uh, there, that, that fight, an adjective, sorry, is, is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. So look at chapter, chapter 1 here and verse 18 in 1 Timothy. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. This is good. <laughs> we, we uh, in our Sunday school class next door here on Sunday morning, we've been talking about the history a little bit of fundamentalism, the history of why we got that name. <laughs> and we have to go back 100 years to the beginning of the 20th century when liberalism was permeating the churches. No virgin birth, no deity of Christ, no bodily resurrection, no inspired word of God. Those things were permeating all of our churches and, and denominations and schools and so forth. And so a few men stood up and said, we have to fight this. And we have to write about what we believe. And they began to combat the liberalism that was in the church before there was ever a name evangelical. There was fundamental, the word fundamental goes far back before evangelical. Back then, they were all called fundamentalists because they said, we're going back to the fundamentals of the faith. The, the Bible is the word of God. 
Christ is born of a virgin. He is deity. There was a bodily resurrection. There's a literal heaven and a hell. And those kinds of fundamentals of the faith, these men who said, we, are, we will fight for it then. If no one else will, we will. And, they were, and so if you believed in the fundamentals, you were called a fundamentalist. And that's where the name came from. And that was fine for everybody for about 50 years until you got into the 1950s. And then there were a lot of men who were called fundamentalists who said, you know, there's a lot of people don't like us and we're really uncomfortable with this because now they think all we do is fight. So we're going to change our name and, be, and we're going to call ourselves evangelicals. And now we've had that name since the 1950s. Isn't it strange? We have to fight a good fight, and sometimes people don't like it, and sometimes you're not real popular by it. Look at 2 Timothy now real quickly. Chapter 2 in 2 Timothy, verse 3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A soldier has to be able to endure the fighting. No man that warreth entangling himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. That's what we are. Chapter 4 of, of 2 Timothy and verse 7, in these last words of Paul, he says, I have fought what? A good fight. Paul likes that word good before that word fight. It's a good fight. And he instructs Timothy here to fight the good fight. Notice it is the fight of faith. Now, he's not just saying be a contrary person. He's not saying be an angry person. He's not saying go out there and find somebody to have an argument with. Because he will even tell us to avoid, as he said, avoid those kinds of arguments that don't go anywhere. But there's faith out there. Faith that was once for all delivered unto the saints for that we must agonize. For that we must fight. We don't give up. We can't give up on those kinds of things. And not only that, lay hold on eternal life. Because it's to that we are called. And that's why uh, I even say at the end here, we are supposed to keep heavenly things too. So earnestly contend for the faith. It's a good fight. Linsky in his commentary, I thought this was a great statement. Of this statement, he said, Here is Christian manhood, red-blooded and strenuous. I like that. Here's Christian manhood. It's red-blooded. It's strenuous, but it's a good fight. We want to get to the end and be able to say, like Paul said, I have fought a good fight. Finished the course, and I've kept the faith. So lastly, I didn't want to end it there because I think that the word keep in verse 14 is also as important. So 13 says, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good profession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I say keep heavenly things. That is, we know where we're going. We know what our reward is. We know that when, when we walk into heaven, no accomplishments, nothing about earth will matter any longer. That is done. That is over. Now our life is in heaven. 
And all that will matter at that point is to please the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Praise him for his grace, right? Praise him for his blood. Praise him that we can make mistakes and be forgiven. And still, uh, he, he will present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And so thank the Lord for these things. Keep that faith and keep that charge before God. And then uh, in, in 2 Timothy 4, 1, remember this again. He says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He always kind of keeps those two things. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing? Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. So he's charging him. Keep these heavenly-minded things. Don't you know that your Lord will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing? Keep that in mind. Keep the Bema seat of Christ in mind. Keep the joys of heaven in mind. And do, he says in verse 14, do it without spot. Do it unblameable or unrebukable and do it until the appearing of Jesus Christ. Don't give up on it. So I like this word to guard, to watch, to pay attention to, to observe all of those things we're supposed to do. So let me just finally end by asking you this. Aren't you tired of running the race? Aren't, aren't you tired of pressing toward the mark? I'll tell you, I am. Life isn't a bowl of cherries, folks, uh, or a bowl of gooseberries. For that. You know, life is hard. And, and, and we run till the end. I think I've described to you before, those of you who, who ran track or cross country or one of those crazy things where you have to run and exert yourself to the finish line. I remember, I remember watching a race one time where the, where the fellow was running, and, you know, there's all kinds of lines on a, on a track around a field. And so he crossed a line that he thought was the finish line and was not, and he was ahead and would have won. But when he crossed that line, thinking it was the finish line, he slowed down to a jog. Everyone went right by him onto the finish line, and somebody else won. <laughs> Don't be fooled. And don't think the finish line is now. The finish line isn't until the Lord calls us home to glory. Be faithful to the very end. Be faithful unto death. I will give you the crown of life, the Lord says to the church. And so we may be tired, but uh, a soldier in a fight, uh, tiredness doesn't get you anywhere <laughs> except killed. You have to keep doing it. And so uh, the alternative, let me tell you, to fighting is far worse. The alternative to following after righteousness is far worse. And the alternative to not fleeing earthly things is far worse. He'll end the book of Hebrews by saying, look unto Jesus. He's the author and finisher of the faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, he despised the shame, and now he's set down at the right hand of the Father. That's our example, and that's what we do. And we can do it. Stand with me. And let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing and, and thoughts on these things. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you for the words of God. Thank you that, that you put them in writing for us. And even in our language, as we translate them, we see familiar words. 
And we know we have to flee and we, we have to run and escape. A lot of things in this world help us to do that. And then we have to follow good things and be judicious about it and know what it is to follow and pursue. Help us to do that like Paul said to the very end. And Father, uh, fighting may not be in our Constitution, but we're here and we're in this battle and we can do nothing else. And so help us, Father, uh, to do that. And so bless us in this, in this effort that we have and uh, help us to do it till the very end. So bless us as we think about these things, sing our songs, and build us up in the Lord and encourage us, and we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Gordon's going to come and lead us in a song.